This week's episode of Mind Theater is a video essay. For the full experience of the show, click the first link in the show notes. Thanks. Hey guys, I recently switched from Ko-fi to Patreon, so if you want to show your support on these videos, the link is in the description box below. Poetry has always felt like a seemingly impenetrable medium for me. Free verse poems especially, with their lack of structural devices that I had considered integral to constructing poetry. Rhyme, scheme, meter, and repetition, these pieces felt wild and unyielding, and the more I begged for the ability to understand them, the less they seemed to allow themselves to be understood. I soon realized that in order to gain a greater understanding and appreciation for the form, I had to purge the notion that they were designed for and by people with overly romantic impulses. Indeed, in order to understand a genre that can be as elusive as this one, I think it's important to analyze a writer whose own impenetrability matches it, a kind of literary exercise akin to jumping into the deep end. And for this, we should look no further than Richard Sicken. A contemporary great of poetry, he first made waves with his 2005 book Crush, a poem collection influenced by the death of his boyfriend in 1991. His poetry is known for its prose-like qualities, his usage of confounding metaphors and twisting imagery, strange juxtapositions between the mundane and the extraordinary, off-kilter rhythm and mystifying narratives that both provoke and awaken laden feelings within the reader through his transformative use of language, a kind of strange lyrical alchemy. In his 2015 book, War of the Foxes, Sicken draws on the similarities between the poet and the painter, comparing both their processes and the way the two artists search for understanding through their respective mediums. In this case, Sicken is a student of both. Indeed, analyzing his poetry, or any poetry for that matter, can be a similar exercise to analyzing works of art, traversing from the first impression to immediate concrete imagery to technique and historical background. I think one of his pieces that does an incredible job of connecting these forms and works best for this kind of exercise is this one, titled Turpentine. It is too heavy, says the canvas. You lack restraint. I was sleeping in whiteness, drifts of snow, and you woke me and told me your dream. My blank face upturned, listening. You came to me while we were sleeping. We were both sleeping and you asked me to hold this for you. I am holding this for you. Well, that was fun. Sicken gives us practically nothing to work with, just an evasive poem with confusing imagery. Already primed by his description as a poet, and now jostled by this discomforting assembly of words, we might fear we don't have the artistic backing to analyze his poetry at all. Should we read it again? No, if we didn't get it on the first run, we probably won't get it at all. This is our first failure. Respecting the poet and fearing our own ignorance, we deny ourselves this simple process, reject its conclusions. We must remember that there's already a lot to uncover, even on the first couple personal reads. There's no trick here. Like many poems, the titles usually give us a clue. Turpentine. If you know how turpentine is used in the artistic process, then you're already on your way to understanding its usage in the poem. Turpentine is a solvent painters use to speed up the process of drying. It's added to paint to thin or dilute it, and it's used in the cleaning of brushes. It's also often used as a base coat or a first layer of paint, an initial fast drying layer. Reading this definition already sets off sparks in my mind, but taking the rest of the poem line by line will allow us to see how this tool factors in the poem's central themes and what Sicken is trying to say about the creative process. It is too heavy, says the canvas. You lack restraint. 
Right away, Sicken personifies the canvas. The whole poem is told from this inanimate object's perspective. The heaviness described seems to refer to thick layers of paint, a technique known as impasto. But rather than the carefully curated strokes in a Van Gogh piece, for example, the application in this work seems messy, as if an artist full to the brim with ideas, without any regard for what they were really doing, immediately drew up his brushes and threw his paints haphazardly onto the canvas. The canvas responds to this brashness with, you lack restraint a kind of critical scolding that wouldn't sit well with most unrefined artists. Unaccustomed to criticism, especially from the tool through which they wish to capture the world. The poem continues. I was sleeping in whiteness, drifts of snow, and you woke me and told me your dream, my blank face upturned, listening. Moving on further, the canvas likens its initial blank state to falling snow, drawing on natural references and imagery, something Sicken does throughout War of the Foxes. As forceful and brash the artistic impulse seemed in the first lines, in this one the canvas seems to show some semblance of eagerness, willing to at the very least understand the artist and become a collaborative partner in the process. In these lines, artistic creation is conceptualized as the realization of dreams, a metaphor all artists are familiar with. You came to me while we were sleeping. We were both sleeping, and you asked me to hold this for you. I am holding this for you. The final lines of the poem re-establish art as a communal relationship between the artist and the medium he wishes to speak through, but there's an almost twist of perspective in the reading. The way the canvas repeats to the artist, I am holding this for you, makes it seem like this is almost a burden. A burden it takes on willfully, perhaps, but a burden nonetheless. For this, we can look to Turpentine's volatile, hazardous qualities. Too much can be poisonous, cause skin allergies, or even be flammable. If we flip this framing of the piece starting back at the beginning, the heaviness described can be read not as layers of paint, but an initial coat of turpentine. The piece grows ominous and darker with this improved context. In our quickness to unleash our art, our ideas and perspectives, our burden onto the very thing we love, we risk destroying it and ourselves. The ideas we seek to capture seem too much for the medium to handle, too overwhelming. So in order to accurately depict them, both the poet and the artist lean on abstraction. Sicken wrestles with the concept of artistic representation and the inherent abstraction of imagery in painting and prose throughout War of the Foxes. In a painting, a few faint smudges of paint zoomed in can be anything, but zoomed out they resolve into an assortment of images flowers, the ocean, the smallest tuft of a cloud rendering. Even the slightly abstract images have this kind of fluidity. In his poetry, Sicken attempts to do the same things with his words, remove them from their literal assumed context. A man in a Sicken poem isn't simply a man, a rabbit isn't a rabbit, a tree can be a tree one minute and a deer the next. In his poems, words can mean anything, which makes understanding and relating to his poetry an even taller task for the reader. The opening poem, The Way the Light Reflects, personifies this perfectly. The artist bemoans how paint can't truly capture the way we see light in three dimensions, the same way words can't fully capture the depth of the human experience. If both of these are true, then what does the artist have to be faithful to? To the paint, second postures. In the poet's case, to the words, to the foundations of their mediums and what they profess, and the windy roads they lead us down. 
once you paint a picture or choose a word, you're choosing all of its history and the implicit connections your viewers or readers will make from them. We see this further in Landscape with a Blur of Conquerors. As the painter in this poem wrestles with representation, paint a man in a landscape and he'll try to conquer it. Draw him handsome and he'll be seen by many as a fascist. Draw him ugly and your painting says nothing new. The word pairing and connections can be ambiguous, but the constant cyclical battle at the poem's core is rendered crystal clear by Sicken, a battle in which the painter and poet waver between being all-powerful with their access to transformative creation tools and artistic intellect, but also powerless, at the mercy of the figures in their paintings and writing which seem capable of creating themselves, coming to life in an instant and choosing their own destinies. I think Sicken wants us to understand that sometimes it's comfortable sharing your burden with the canvas or the page. Other times it's the precursor to watching that form devour you whole. Aside from the thematic content of his poems, another technique you can find throughout The Foxes is enjambment, line breaks in the middle of sentences. Breaking his lines in unusual places gives his poems a feeling of continual momentum. The end of a line or stanza gives us no such relief, no place to rest. We must push and delve further, deeper into the enveloping world of his poems, not just peering over the edge, but falling further into the inferno. We lose our footing, hoping Sicken will catch us, but he's not interested in our safety, or our sanity for that matter. He's acutely aware of this dark power his words contain, as he states in another poem, Portrait of Friedrich in Shifting Light. Add a second light and you get a second darkness, as truth and meaning is illuminated to us, as our area of knowledge grows. So too does the perimeter of our own ignorance, the realization that there is even more we don't know. There's deeper questions to probe, and even darker ones still left unanswered. In Sicken's poetry, we're made expressly aware that exploration is the point, and we understand that chasing some finite idea of understanding is a fruitless endeavor. Throughout War of the Foxes, I'm reminded of the same struggle that poets of old faced, in attempting to have poetry seen in the same high regard as the fine arts, a concept coined in the late BC years as ut pictura poesis, as in painting and poetry. Simonidas of Chios wrote masterfully about this dichotomy, comparing the shared DNA of the two mediums best, poetry as a speaking picture, painting a silent poetry. Both forms are masterful at embodying less concrete narrative stories and are far more concerned with the evocation of feelings, the capturing of moments whose truth and beauty seem ineffable, incapable of being expressed in words. The painter knows this and thus rushes to their brushes, eager to paint that which can't be described. The poet, perhaps driven by foolish notions, attempts to express it in words anyhow, words which so often fail us. This inherent oxymoron is what fills the poet's work with such power, and it's the point of so-called impenetrable work like Sicken's. The search for meaning can be a discomforting one, and poetry, with a kind of access to language at its disposal, can leave us in a constant battle of searching for relief that we will never find. Led by Sicken off the beaten path, through fields of yellow ochre, we're no more safe than we were in his landscape decimated by conquerors. We stand still within his melancholy, willing to share the weight of his burdens for a stanza, or a line, or even just a word at a time, forever chasing understanding, trading one all-consuming darkness for another.
Mind Theater is a solo effort produced and written by me, Ewakingbare. For updates on the show, as well as my other content, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you want to show monetary support, the Patreon link is in the description. Thanks for watching. I'll catch you next time. <laughs>